0: Randy Nonnenberg from Bring a Trailer. You're listening to the first BAT podcast. I'm here with Howard Swig. Hi, Howard.
1: Hello. Thank you.
0: Howard is the head of auctions here at BAT. We're coming to you uh, from BAT headquarters in San Francisco, California. And we're just excited to get on the airwaves and to open sort of a new channel um, where an audience can listen to what's going on behind the scenes at BAT uh, we can do some questions and answers. We can have some guests coming up on future episodes uh, who will be different people from the BAT community and different people in the collectible car space uh, and beyond who could have some fun things to say. But today, Howard and I are here with some time to address some questions and uh, talk about what's going on at BAT.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Randy and I have been looking for more opportunities to talk about cars, so thank God we've, uh, we have this podcast. People have been asking us uh, for a long time, where's your app, uh, you know, where's your TV show, and where's your podcast? So here it is. Here's the podcast, uh, and with any luck, we'll have more, more new initiatives coming down the pipe.
0: Fantastic, yeah. So um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about why we're doing it, what the goals are. Uh, and maybe what this will afford people to be tuning in here. And um, yeah, we're just excited for what's happening at the company. We're excited for um, the types of inventory we're seeing on the website. Um, And as always, the BAT community is the, the biggest and best part of BAT. So getting to meet... Uh, You know, some of the characters that you see commenting online on a weekly basis or, you know, great sellers like how are they how are they doing it? How are they picking their inventory? How are they prepping it? Are they using the BAT photo service or do they use their own photos and how do they do that? Do they take pictures of cars in front of train yards or do they take them, you know, in industrial settings or in their own garage? Uh, There's lots of insight out there and lots of cool stuff that we can talk about. Um, about how it's done and what makes BAT auctions have the kind of results that they achieve. So with that, yeah, we think we ought to uh, dive right in a little bit, maybe talk about a, a couple of the awesome cars that are on the site, a couple of the results that we've had in the in the last couple of weeks. The main way I engage with that is through my own sort of personal watch list on the site. Everybody has their different way now that there's you know 300 and, and more cars on the site at any one time. Um, you got to have your method. So I use the star function and, and watch a bunch of cars. Howard, what do you do? How are you keeping track of them?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, so I'm the head of auction. So I look at all the cars or part of my job is looking at all the cars that get submitted every day. And myself, along with the small team, uh, pick the ones we want and kind of curate the best and mo- most interesting stuff that gets submitted. Um, that means that I'm personally looking at, that hundreds of cars a week and so then when I show up to something like a podcast and people say well what are you looking at I look at so much stuff that I kind of don't really have a very intelligent answer because I'm kind of flooded out but um uh yeah so we now uh, are getting upwards of 150 cars submitted uh, every day which is awesome we are very fortunate that uh, we have a growing community of folks that um that want to uh, list with us uh, buy and sell, and so um, to be honest with you, I don't really use much of the great tools that our great development team has built. Um, I've been doing it since I've been doing it since day one, which is watching the homepage. Most folks probably don't sit at their computer uh, on BringATrailer.com for nine hours a day, but I do. Um, and so uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at the homepage and refreshing every every five or ten minutes and seeing the cars come through.
0: I love that you you know I mean we've easily eclipsed 40,000 lots on the site since we started this. And for those who don't know, um, Howard came on at the company right before we launched auctions. Um, and he was you know, going to be one of the ones who helped us drive it and get it out the door. And, uh, so he has seen every lot, you know, one through 40,000 plus, uh, which is, is pretty unbelievable the number of cars that have gone through. So, um, i don't watch the homepage as much anymore i get all kinds of alerts and i do use the couple of the features that we have because it just got to the point where i can't watch every single one uh the way howard does um and so uh i like kind of picking and choosing i get every french car sent to me because i'm a french car weirdo and i get um you know my favorite different models e30 m3s and lotus cortinas and uh, Ford trucks and Broncos and all sorts of stuff sent to me. So, yeah, so a couple of the interesting ones on the site right now. We've been um, listing all kinds of vintage pickup trucks. Everybody's probably seen those having ridiculous results on some of them. Um, and still, some are, are at pretty modest and, and approachable prices, too. Um, so I'm watching a 78 Ford Ranger XLT 4x4 Super Cab that's on there, two-tone. I want to buy a two-tone four by four long bed truck. That's kind of in my future. Um, that thing is really pretty sweet. Bidding is four days yet to go, and it's only at twelve grand. So that thing will probably go in the twenties, I imagine. Um, Howard probably knows the reserve exact reserve on that truck off the top of his head, but won't be able to tell anybody. Um, but pretty affordable and pretty cool. And then another one that I'm watching is a, a we've got a black black gto 389 four speed um first year gto 1964 that is super cool looking and on black steels with dog dish caps and like i said console four speed so um definitely no shortage of variety
1: i love that you know randy randy's a busy guy he's off doing a million things and uh you know, I'm never sure, you know, how closely he's paying attention to, uh, to cars that are live and he'll show up. And I'm like, so, yeah, how's how that 79 F250? Yeah, it was at 12250 last night. I was looking at it. And I'm like, wow, are you watching that? He's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> and there's five other ones that, that are live that are cool. I'm like, wow, okay. Um, yeah, no, uh, tons of stuff that, that I'm interested in. Uh, Randy identified some cool ones. Uh, we've actually had this week some cool uh, homologation and homologation type cars Um, we don't always need to talk about the kind of best most expensive cars on the site but they typically do uh, garner uh, more of the attention so uh, what do we got live we got a BMW M1 live now um, which I think uh, is the second M1 we have listed Um, that's a Awesome car for a number of reasons that was, that was homologated for Group 4, I believe. Um, I think it was originally planned to be an effort between BMW and Lamborghini, and Lamborghini said, actually, we're going broke, so we can't really do much with this, so you'll have to take it from here. So the one we have um, has got the AHG Studi treatment, um, which uh, makes it look a little different than kind of uh, bone stock cars, um, basically, you get the uh, BMW Motorsport livery, uh, the really awesome BBS wheels. It's kind of got, I think, maybe a pro car style uh, uh, body treatment. So um, that's neat. That's uh, started this week. That's going for a few more days um, or a few more weeks anyways. Um, What else have we had in the homologation uh, world? We had the BMW M3 Sport Evolution. uh, That was a Group A homologation car that uh, actually uh, has the title now for highest selling M3. We had a low mile uh, uh, kind of stock car that did 250. The Sport Evolution closed last week uh, at 255, 56, I think. Uh, That was a super awesome example uh, great seller, was was really the one to have, had low mileage, that's just not the car you see ever. Um, speaking of Group A, if we're really going to nerd out, this is a car ended a few weeks ago, but I <laughs> loved it. It was a Volvo 242 Turbo Flat Hood, yes. um, which to most people just looks like a Volvo 242, and you're like, who cares, but uh, that was like really, really cool, and a car that you will never ever see out in the wild, um, so I was getting I was getting pretty excited about that. Um, we can pull that one up. What was the result on that one? 20000 uh, 20000 20, mm. I don't know if it was no reserve or not, but, uh, yeah, it was differentiated by the flat hood. Like, it's still an automatic transmission, so you, most people look at that and say, you know, why is that special, but... The people who know, and, and you guys are out there. I know you're out there. Uh, 242 Turbo Flat Hood.
0: For sure. How are we not talking about the Jeff Gordon NASCAR yet? I think oh, that man. One, I mean, forget homologation. Let's talk about actual Bristol laps. Like, what, what was the story with that one? That
1: car, 97 Monte Carlo, Winston Cup car from really the golden, true golden era of, uh, of NASCAR, in my opinion, um, that's like one of the most classic ones, right? Jeff Gordon, neon number 24. That Ra- was, Rainbow
0: Warriors, man. I mean, look at it. Number 24 looks so good.
1: That's a car, right? Like if you took the paint and the stickers off off of it, it wouldn't be that exciting. But that's the car. Uh, that was a Gordon championship winning car. Uh, that car ran uh, much of the 97 season. Uh, short track, I think, was what it was primarily set up for. But um yeah no that that closed uh last week brought 155 thousand odd dollars and yeah that's really you know find another one i don't know what you're going to do with it i wouldn't say it's a paperweight you could um you could you know fit those out for road course racing and and do some vintage events with it but um yeah if you're if you're a 90s jeff gordon nascar fan that's uh that is really the one to have
0: unbelievable that thing was fun to watch and i loved seeing some of the footage of it back in the day um, on those tracks. But, uh, that one highlights for me what I think is actually a good question. And, the, um, it's kind of fun to, uh, hash through questions that we get all the time. And one of them that has evolved over the years is what is a BAT car, right? Like BAT people used to think maybe in the early days it was Alphas and Porsches, or maybe it was, you know, Randy's weirdo four by four obsession, or, you know, what kind of stuff made something, uh, a BAT car. And so, I think it's super cool that Howard has just listed off pretty much off the top of his head like a bunch of out there interesting everything from a flat hood Volvo with an automatic to Jeff Gordon's you know car that he's in the pits with Um, that sort of variety has always been a calling card of BAT right there's lots of ways to go to a car club or event or go to uh, you know other you know deep forum websites or even sales channels that are like kind of you know, one flavor, uh, and BT, uh, something that I'm proud of, uh, of what our team has done and built is the ability to have this sort of crazy variety that still makes it, you know, a decade later, my favorite email that I open in the morning, just because you could get Jeff Gordon's car or you could get, you know, a Honda CT 70, uh, you know, that's going to sell for 3,500 bucks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what's so awesome about our community is just the variety and taste. Uh, I mean, there's guys out there, they have a, you know, in the wrapper 200 mile Ford Fairmount, but they also have, you know, a AC Cobra and, and other stuff. Um, and yeah, I think what we see every week on BAT is, you know, high quality doesn't have to mean high price. And I think that, um, you know, everyone that submits cars to us is keenly aware of that. And our Staff here are, are definitely enthusiasts, and we love pouring through all this stuff. And uh, yeah, no, so we're we're going to pull up some some auctions here and see what we're what we're looking at. But uh,
0: that variety is special. Um, yeah, it's been it's been fun to see that and see how that has evolved. A lot of people uh, have been sort of tracking the history of BAT, and that's something that I think we'll dive into um, over several uh, sort of podcast chapters here when we we uh pull some stories out of the archives right because we've got you know a decade plus worth of interesting car stories you know the different things that have won the stories of the year have evolved um and the different characters that we see and and hear from on the website uh through commenting or through buying and selling um there's just so much such a rich uh sort of well to draw from of all these sort of different stories so we've got ideas um and we're excited about what the next chapters uh, could hold. Um, so uh, we will engage you in that as well. We're super excited. At the at the uh, end of this show, we'll give you some contact info. And you guys could send in, um, yeah, if you have questions, stuff you want to hear about, um, people you want us to go root out and find out, you know, uh, mysterious characters that are dive-bombing the BAT comments and who are they and where are they and, uh you know kyle k and mysterious folks that we need to dig out of the uh dig out of uh the comment streams and maybe be able to have a conversation with them we think that would be really fun right and add some texture to that and uh obviously post that on the site for all to see and to share um so that'll be a good time um some of that, looking back into the history, yeah, makes me think, and can make Howard think as well of of uh, sort of where BAT came from. That's one of the most other most common questions that we get, and so we think here on the very first podcast, it may be good to to let people know where it's come from. Uh, it hasn't always been 350 auctions, you know, jamming uh, through every uh, every work week. It has uh, it has evolved quite a bit, and. Uh, I can obviously share from the very early days of, you know, picking the name and the URL and turning on the WordPress blog to start talking about cars that I was finding um, and writing about. And those that was our first couple of years. That was 2007. Um, so uh, amazingly, uh, it's been many years since then as we enter into 2021. Um, and, yeah, the early posts are all still there. You can go back to the very first BAT post. And it's very amateurish, uh, just sort of writing about some cars on Craigslist. And I went and looked at an Austin Healy here in San Francisco um, and then got home and decided I wasn't going to buy it. It was on four flat tires, but decided, uh, wow, this, this would be kind of a cool first one to write about in a blog format and steer people, to. So maybe someone else will buy it. And um, that's how BAT started, trying to write one of those a day. But we knew... Um, that we were on to something when people started to gather and um, the comments section started to develop. So Howard, maybe it'd be interesting for, to hear from you in terms of how you think the comment stream is has evolved and is similar and maybe different in some ways than it was back in the day.
1: Yeah, no. know. So um, I was a, a follower of BAT uh, since the early days while Randy was uh, holding down his day job and doing BAT in the middle of the night. I was... Uh, Living it up at University of Michigan in college and uh, finally found my way um, uh, to BAT in 2014 uh, in the pre-auction days when uh, we were still doing BAT exclusives, uh, which provided the basic framework for what auction listings would become, but those were basically uh, fixed price classified ads that were exclusive uh, to the BAT platform. Um, where Randy would uh, field all these uh, inquiries from folks that wanted to list their car. He would post um, a BAT exclusive uh, every morning, sometimes multiple per day. Uh, Most often within the first, call it one or two hours, you'd have Uh, upwards of 25 or 30 people that said this car is awesome I'm ready to buy it at the asking price Um, all of those had a listed asking price which is kind of funny looking back seeing as that's uh, kind of the exact opposite of the kind of price discovery in in the auction format we do now but um, that worked really well to a degree but I think it was also pretty clunky uh, for us and also for the seller right who's like well I got 20 20 people want to buy my car, how do I pick the right one? Who do I, you know, hey, Randy, hey, Howard, how do I navigate this? I don't want to uh, upset people that want my car, but, you know, I can only sell it to one. So um, uh, Randy and Gentry, his co-founder, had the bright idea that uh, that worked pretty well, but there was uh, a better way, and that better way was to build uh, an auction platform, um, which we turned on in the summer of 2014. you know, I think, obviously, the, the secret sauce to the whole BAT magic is the community in the comment section, with which Randy and Gentry built from day one. Um, and I think probably the, the best thing I can say is that the comment section, uh, obviously, the number of users has grown dramatically in the last eight years, but it's pretty true to what it was in the old days. Um, I mean, you still have all that very genuine and authentic sharing of uh, knowledge and experience, uh, even on auction number 42,000 that you had, you know, in, in 2008, eight,
0: nine, ten. Yeah, people ask all the time, you know, how, how does the comments section um, sort of stay productive and stay interesting and have the level of expertise that it does, right? There's a lot of uh, people out there that we realize, I realized very early on, they were going to know way more than me about some Italian or French car or some hands-on experience that they had. So figuring out how to throw the door open to those folks. Um, and yet, you know, when you throw the doors open, you get all all sorts of crazies that can come in as well. And so how do you craft that and, and encourage the positive behavior? That's something that we, we get asked all the time. And honestly, I think for whatever reason, I think it was the mix of cars at the beginning, right? We didn't do a lot of you know, running people out of town. We didn't really have to. It was just sort of the the subject matter, the type of subject matter, uh, you know, whether it's Datsun 510s, right? Like all the Datsun 510 folks would see a cool car and tell their friends, and they'd all kind of dive-bomb in in a way that um, it was them, but they also knew that there were non-Datsun people there. So it became this sort of interesting discussion, and yet not... Uh, veering off into what sort of forums felt like, which was this like way out into left field uh, sort of discussion that that would go off topic and that sort of stuff. So for whatever reason, yeah, it uh, it sort of gelled in a way, and this was 2008, 9, 10, as the community was really building, um, that just became a, a really cool place. And I think that's one of the things that we're proudest of um, is that the the comment section on a, a listing is still super cool and people want to uh, get to the facts. People want to get to accuracy. People want to um, share their experience with some oddball uh, make or model. Um, and they want to root out falsehoods, right? I mean, that's one of the most important things that always sketch me out going to uh, you know, big auctions and stuff is like there's some auctioneer up there saying all sorts of stuff, and then you look in the catalog and it says we're not responsible for anything we say because we, we have no idea. So there's just too much. There was so much uh, uh, insecurity and and questioning of what was being stated, and maybe may, you know sometimes still is right. There's cars where you got to kind of wonder, and when those show up on BAT, that show that can show up on BAT as well. But the comment section over seven days. The way that it roots out the minutia is just um it's it's really amazing from a buyer perspective to sit back and watch and then that's why the bids at the last day people kind of know what they need to know
1: yeah i agree with all that cars are this wonderful unifying interest that people from all walks of life can come together and uh it's you really see it you really see it happening on bat i think um you know, the, the auction platform adds a different dynamic or it adds the d- dynamic of what was already in place in the early days. I mean, you've got all these cars, a given car you know it's a lot of people are going to bid on it and someone's going to buy it and the fact that you've got the shot clock and it's for sale for seven days I think you know as Randy pointed that really focuses the conversation and people do want to get down to it and you know some people are there to share stories and other that other people are there to you know share their knowledge and and specifically what they see uh about a particular car but the uh, you know the market dynamic, i think um, as kind of a guiding force is is really neat to see play out um, and you know each auction is really this this living breathing dynamic thing uh, for the for the seven day auction which um which you don 't really get anywhere else
0: yep and I love it, and that now has evolved um, and into uh, just sort of an interesting aspect of b a t which is the permanence right that was always something that I never liked about uh, eBay listings, how they get kind of cleansed out of there in 30 or 60 days um, and you go looking for that car and you're like what did that sell for, what did that Blazer sell for or what did that GTI sell for and you go back and it's long gone, there's no way to find it and uh, on some level I think that's true at at uh, some of the other sort of digital outlets and marketplaces, for sure true on uh, sort of wild west marketplaces like Craigslist and, and elsewhere where you're you can never use them as reference and this isn't something that we planned for, right? I mean, it wasn't Howard and I, you know, over lunch in 2014 saying, you know what? People are going to use it for research. That's going to be great. <laughs> we never, it's like a byproduct almost, right? And so now, um, you know, looking, I was looking at 914 sixes. I'll pull that up. Uh, we had, we have so many just like archived auctions of all these results and you can track them and you can track the VIN and you know where it was. And we've had a couple cars now that I think have been listed uh, three and four times on BAT in the last five uh, or what is it six plus years um, that we've been having auctions and and trackability of that is super interesting. So the research side wasn't something um, that we set out to build, but it's another one of those kind of like the community and the way it has evolved uh, and events, which we'll get to and talk about of. Uh, Just a cool uh, byproduct of the way that that the permanence uh, uh, has all the auctions there on the site.
1: And isn't it funny in this day and age when there's so much information available at your fingertips and a quick search can find you more than you can ever possibly read in your lifetime, uh, for a number of, particularly the older collector cars, the real... Valuable knowledge is still you know somewhat siloed among individuals, and a lot of it is stuff that you can 't just pull up on a simple google search and the really great information you know exists deep in a bring a trailer thread from two thousand and fifteen or or any number of mark specific forums so um, something we 're trying to think on is we have you know now what hundreds of thousands of comments, uh, some of which are just absolutely superb shreds of knowledge and you know we're thinking of ways of how do we uh, make that discoverable because right now someone who wrote a dissertation on what makes you know uh, a a series one Jaguar from 62 this versus that is buried on a thread from six years ago Uh, and I can probably find it because I watched that auction and I probably wrote it Uh, (laughs) but uh, you know most people can't so um, we're always thinking on ways on how we, you know, the, the the richness of content on BAT becomes more and more every single day, and uh, making that a, an easy to use resource is um, is top of mind for us.
0: Yeah, I love I love thinking about that stuff. But there were there have been many conversations. That have been fun to watch. But, yeah, they do get swept up in the current of, you know, hundreds of cars every single week. You said hundreds of thousands of comments. It's actually millions, right? I think we hit 5 million comments on the site in December, and we're jamming mm. towards 6 million. So, um, yeah, the, the liveliness of, of the threads on BAT is ongoing. Getting back to that 914 thing that I said, yeah, we've listed, and there are now 198 results on the Porsche 914 page. That's just one model um, and just it's it's so fun to look back and see how we built something where um, there's a permanence to that. And you can see all those results. You can go into every one of those threads like Howard's talking about um, to go either find a conversation or find, you know, did that car have rust? And does mine have rust or is the one that I'm looking at? What do I need to look for? Um, so, yeah, almost 200. Um, actually, our 199th 914 is on the site right now. And yeah, 28 of those are nine fourteen six factory nine fourteen six cars, uh, not swaps. Um, and looking at those and um, using them either, frankly, for uh, for research or just window shopping. I mean, it's scrolling through them. You got flared cars. You got every color of the rainbow, and it's uh, it's cool to see the. Uh, the ones that are there historically and it 's cool just to jog jog your memory if you 've been on b a t for a while obviously we are uh you know way out on the edge of that curve, but even if you 've been on b a t for a couple of months or a couple of years, you can pretty easily go back and and jog your memory on a, a car that either uh, brought you to b a t or or was exciting at some point
1: and you know people people ask well, what 's the future of the collector car uh market and industry and all of that and you know, Randy said, we've listed 199 914s. We've listed, I'm pulling it up now, uh, 276 Alpha GTVs, you know, similar number of 2002s and 510s and all these all these sorts of cars. And, uh, you know, even on the 300th auction listing, you still have, you know, a rabid comment section with 100-plus comments, uh, even though, you know, all of these people have looked at 300 other of these on VAT in the past, and that's great, because each car has its own character, and, you know, someone modified it or restored it in their own way, and there's a lot to talk about on the next one, just as there were on on the, on the last, you know, 200, so that's... Uh, anecdotally, that to me uh, always tells me that that this world is alive and well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to think how many 914s were built, right? I mean, we're like, oh, wow, we've listed 200 of them, right? I mean, how many thousands of these things did they build? And granted, even if 70% of them rusted away or were crashed or rolled or smashed or whatever, or long gone, uh, the remaining cars that are out there, particularly the good ones that we'd like to accept on BAT uh, and try to feature, you know, sort of the best of the best. Um, the the supply uh, that is out there. There's so many more that are yet to be found. People, you know, sometimes are like, oh, you know, uh, what, what's the future going to hold? Like, are you guys going to hit a ceiling? And there's, you know, you've, you've listed all the cars or we've kind of, it's all dried up. And we're like, it's not even close. Like, we really genuinely feel that we're just scratching the surface when it comes to how many cars are moving around. Um, and uh, there's so many yet to be discovered. And then, yeah, what we've really... Um, are seeing this dynamic of once a car's been on BAT uh, that it also tends to come back, right? So these 200 that have already gone through the system, like we may see some of those again in coming weeks and we may expand to all sorts of new ones that we didn't know existed. Uh, thankfully there's still people uh, out there that are, you know, restoring them, pulling bad ones and turning them into good ones or discovering uh, neglected ones that uh, that need to be sold on to a new owner. So Um, all different sorts of flavors but yeah uh howard's exactly right that the um future of bat and what's going to be on the website uh we think uh is very secure and is uh exciting to see how many uh more cars we're going to be able to feature
1: so we this is podcast number one we've got definitely have ambitions for what we're doing uh with this going forward we've put together a uh Pretty cool list of of guests we think we want to have. Now I don't know if we contact them if they're going to call us back or not, but but I think some will. Um, uh, we were pre-COVID doing a bunch of cool events. That's you know a big part of this whole deal of of the community of buying and owning and driving cars is events. And you know, on the subject of what's the future of the of the car world, if you look at you know interest in events and event subscription whether it's uh you know track events rallies uh, cars and coffee uh in europe and the u.s and elsewhere all of the great events are oversubscribed, and you know if good luck getting into a a number of them if you don't already kind of have a connection so uh to me you know the the interest in using these cars in a variety of ways is only increasing and i think uh you know once the the uh the covid deal dies down i think it's going to really come back with a vengeance um and we at bat have some plans uh for later this year if all things work out to um you know engage with our community and and do uh some cool stuff all around the all around the country
0: absolutely Uh I'm excited to get to some uh, user questions that we have. We can do a little quick Q&A. But before we do that, yeah, talking about that, events is near and dear to me. I love uh, car events in general, frankly. But uh, the BAT events that we were able to do in 2019, um, some of them called BAT alumni gatherings, some of them called BAT alumni gatherings, um, were – uh, some of the favorite car events I've ever been to because it was BAT sort of come to life we had hundreds of cars at the Peterson Museum in LA we had uh, you know a hundred or more BAT alumni cars that those are cars bought on BAT uh, at Lime Rock Park out in uh, out in uh, Connecticut in New York um, and um, we did a road Atlanta, you know, we did it all over the place and, and we like going to racetracks just cause Howard and I like the, the racing environment as well. And it was a good sort of rallying point, but um, man, and then COVID hit and our, our uh, event aspirations kind of flatlined, rightfully so. Um, so we've kind of exhaled a little bit and and retooled a little bit and started thinking about what does the future look like? But um alumni gatherings and, and drives and excuses to get uh, out of the house, but also into your car and um, and meet up with other BAT people face-to-face is a really interesting um, supplement and contrast to the digital uh, experience of being on BAT, something about, you know, s- seeing a car online in 350 photographs and then actually seeing that car uh, pull up in a paddock somewhere um is you know the, the adrenaline and the, the memory that it uh it sort of jogs when you see it in person is really special.
1: So you mentioned some uh I think we may have some uh community questions that we've solicited.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I hit up uh uh some folks and just asked them, hey, you know, first BAT podcast, what what's like a burning question that you wish we could answer Uh, about BAT, and some of them are sort of market insight, and some of them are, you know, BAT features, real nitty-gritty. But uh, here's one, and and honestly, there's some themes to these. Howard and I get questions on BAT all all the time, but there's some that that sort of tend to come up more than others. Um, But one uh, is uh, future-focused, like what we were kind of just talking about, uh, and particularly around electric vehicles, right? EVs are cool. They're fun they have a different flavor of, uh, of driving enthusiasm uh, and maybe driving style, uh, but they're great for dailies. But um, when, call it half the cars on the road go to EV, or who knows, will 100% go to EV someday? Uh, what does that mean for collector cars, and what does that mean for um, BAT in particular? What would you say to that, Howard?
1: Uh, Yeah, no, that that's a good question Uh, I mean I will say last week we sold a 2008 Tesla Roadster for 182 thousand dollars so that gives you some ideas to the future collectability of some of this stuff but uh, but no I I don't I think the collector car uh, market and interest in driving uh, from from folks who are in their 20s all the way up to 80s and 90s is very much alive and well Um, I don't think people I think people are going to want to go run Goodwood and the Millimilia and uh, you know here in Northern California we have a bunch of great um, more informal rallies. All that stuff is, um, interest in that stuff is as strong as ever, so um, the EV discussion is interesting. I think I have my own opinions on on how it will be implemented and where, Um, but uh, I, I think I think old cars are here to stay, and I think uh, certainly what people consider collectible um, has evolved very much over the last 10 years. I read a stat recently that uh, among the more traditional 10 auction houses, a full 25 to 30 percent of the cars that they sell now were produced after the year 2000. Um, So, you know, what people consider You know, vintage nowadays is evolving, and that just means that there are more and more cars uh, in total that people desire to use um, in various ways and that they consider collectible. So I think that's very positive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the pool is growing, and I think that that um, has been an interesting lesson learned. I don't think we would have set out and said, oh, yeah, we're building a marketplace and people are going to be selling new Porsche GT3s and new club sports and new you know, cars built, you know, 18 months ago on BAT. That's another thing, you know, about the what's a BAT car sort of conversation. My answer early on at BAT was, yeah, more uh, language like vintage and classic and that sort of stuff. Right. And that has evolved into more enthusiast and collector because it's like um, for some enthusiasts, they want the latest, greatest thing. Right. Or they want um, to, to, uh, let some of the depreciation happen on a supercar and buy it two years old. And we're like an amazing place to be able to do that and have it transact, um, based on the fee structure, much, probably much cheaper than you would at a, at a dealer or another large auction house. So, um, yeah, we never set out, I don't think, um, to build a marketplace or even a community based around, uh, uh more modern enthusiast cars, but it turns out, you know, some of the car companies are producing some interesting stuff, right? They haven't all totally thrown in the towel in terms of, uh, you know, just general purpose type stuff. There's, there's some interesting cars coming out of factories today that'll probably be on BAT in the next couple of years, which is, which is pretty cool to think about the, the uh, audience that that brings and the market size that, that we get to play in.
1: Yeah, and there are so many ever-increasing underworlds within the car community. I mean, if you think you're a car guy or gal and you're pretty plugged in, I guarantee you there are pockets of enthusiasts that you don't even know exist. I mean, guys that are, you know, into the most collector grade Isuzu v hicross Iron Man Edition six-speed. I mean, we've listed a few of them, and you know there are fifteen or twenty people out there that are dying to have that car with under two hundred thousand or two two thousand miles on it. I mean, yep. that for some people is a holy grail of mm-hmm. sorts. The and
0: Honda Element people have found you too, right? Totally. I mean, all
1: these people. No, Honda Elements like way too mainstream. <laughs> um, but, you yeah, know, the, the beauty of that is, is uh, you know, BAT remains a place where, you know, it's a very large sandbox, and all of those uh, kind of sub-communities and, uh, uh, you know, car affinity groups um, kind of are, are under that 110, and I think that's, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm.
0: Totally. Here's a funny question um, from Steve V. He says, uh, and maybe we can answer this literally or maybe figuratively if neither of us want this uh, from the literal sense. He says uh kind of tongue-in-cheek if graves were bigger what car do you guys want to be buried in (laughs) which is kind of off color and kind of funny but i think he means like what's the what's the one right and probably that you have that you're like never gonna let go of is effectively how i read that and so i think for me um that's a car that's been here in the bat hq for a good while uh, and that's my green 1975 Land Cruiser FJ40, which is a replica of what I drove to high school. Sort of my glorious of glory years, junior and uh, or sophomore and junior year of high school. Before I sold it and got a got a '65 must, Mustang fastback, but. FJ40s are are that one for me. What's the what's the one for you, Howard? Yeah, I
1: think Randy and I were both fortunate enough to grow up with uh, with dads who were really into the car uh, the car scene, and you know I think both our dads were similar in the sense that they liked the big American stuff from the fifties and sixties, but they also liked the um, small displacement European sports cars, and uh, Randy and I both were exposed to uh, all of that stuff. Um, so my car I would never let go is uh, a 1960 Alfa Romeo Giulietta Zagato, um, which kind of looks like an SZ, but was actually a, a, a Giulietta Spider that was rebodied um, in 1960. Um, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the OG uh, family alpha that, that we, would, we would keep totally. to the grave for Steve Steve's question yeah,
0: there you go which uh, which good contrast there, right Howard picks a sophisticated like race history wonderful sports car, and I pick basically like an ox cart that has a big Chevy V8 in it I think I think uh, good good little uh, contrast yin and yang there um, uh, another uh, question that came in um, from our friend Riley he asks. Um, what are low-buck fun cars that will always be low-buck? We get lots of questions around selling prices, as you know so well, right? Datsun 510s were on uh, on uh, BAT back in the day for, you know, 8900 You get a two-door Datsun 510 that, you know, had, uh, had all the right mods. And now that car is 35000 um, But So I don't know if we'd be able to answer that those are always going to be cheap. But what... What do you think is an accessible one um, that is, is maybe always going to be in that category in a good way?
1: You know, I, my mind goes to kind of sports cars of the 90s and 2000s. Like you can still like I kind of want to go out and buy like a 2001 D Aston Martin DB7. Like, those are still so cheap, and if you're not afraid of miles, like, you can go buy a 100,000-mile DB7 Coupe 6-speed for, like, 25 grand, and you're going to be the only person driving it. Um, part of me kind of wants to go buy, like, a 2004 Z06. Uh, people listening to this that might know me are like, who is this guy? I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that's true, but no, it is. It is. This is a semi-recent uh, uh, interest of mine, but... Uh, You know, cars that had a a high production rate um, in that period, I think will stay very affordable for a long period of time, um, at least the next several years, and and they're out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, those are good choices. My mind goes to, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit more vintage-minded, like what from old cars are good enough that they're worth talking about, but are, uh, you know, going enough that they're not going to be, you know, running away from us in terms of pricing. and um, Lotus I, Eclat is not where you're going <laughs> no, with this? No, I'm, I'm probably <laughs> not headed there if any of those run. Um, but, you know, I, I actually didn't make, I don't know if it's a cliche answer based on the fact that they made millions and millions of them, but I actually think air-cooled VWs are... You know they've always been an entry level car for a reason, and they kind of still are, right? I mean, you can still go on Craigslist and find a pretty nice, shined up early Beetle for eleven grand, right? And sure, it used to be two grand, but uh, you know the world has has moved on from pricing from forty years ago, right? So um, still pretty accessible and. Uh, I think of some things now in terms of sort of family, right? Like my dad helped me figure out cars. And so I've got a, a kid that I would love to have playing around with cars and thinking about what's an easy entry and an inexpensive entry, right? Am I going to buy him a $90,000 Blazer with an LS1 in it? Probably not. Am I going to buy him a, a, you know, eight or, or $10,000 car or buy me one of those so we can spend some time in it together, Um, I think that's sort of an interesting uh, world to get into that is still vibrant. People are still restoring them. There's a bunch of them out there. There's parts everywhere. Uh, interestingly, now it's in, probably harder to find somebody that knows how to keep an air-cooled four-cylinder going than it was 30 years ago. But I think they're uh, they're approachable. And then the other one I would say, which honestly the coolest car that one of them, you know, I had older sisters that were in high school and I was like a little kid. And, like, you know, somebody came over with a CJ7 um, back in the day, which was a, you know, 10-year-old car then. And it's a, you know, 30-plus-year-old uh, 4x4 now, and you see the prices on Broncos and uh, even pickup trucks and FJ40s kind of going crazy and getting all these headlines. But once again, if you're surfing Craigslist, you can go find a CJ5 or a CJ7 for 10, 11, uh, maybe 15, 17 grand for a nice one. Um, I mean, that the experience of driving those is so different than, you know, driving so many modern cars. You know, actually, the shifter on one of those that goes, you know, 24 inches between from gear to gear is just such a cool vintage experience. So, anyway, I think there are uh, – those are a couple models, and then Howard picked a couple models. I think those are some interesting cars that are sort of steady in value or may even continue to decline a little bit and, and be approachable. And um, – That's something that I really think is cool on BAT. We monitor all the stats behind the scenes. Obviously, average prices, and you know, wow, this E30 M3 sold for six figures, and and that that stuff grabs the headlines sometimes. But if you look, you know, sixty or seventy cars going through every single day, and you look at the cars between five and uh, you know twenty thousand bucks, you start looking through some of those. They're really interesting. They're really cool. And I've always been somebody that is instead of, you know, looking at buying a 100K car, you'd go buy, you know, five $20,000 cars to see how much trouble you can bring uh, to your life. And they're, they're fun to see that there are still so many that are approachable.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Under the banner of of high quality doesn't have to mean high price. I mean, I've always liked alphas. I mean, I would would say, you know, alpha spiders from the 70s and 80s. I just pulled up our model page. Well, we've sold 312 of these things, 105, 115 series spiders uh, last week, $11,000 for a for a '78, here's a nice '71, 9600. Here's a later one, '92 Spider Veloce, 7600. So, I mean, these are these are cool. These are cool sports cars that um, that you don't have to shell out a lot of a dough to buy.
0: Yeah, looking at some of those results, you can get lost in some of those model pages, going back and looking at some of the some of the uh, points on the graphs. There, it's really really fun to do that on your favorite ones.
1: High mile Viper RT
0: ten. Okay. Another another How high a miles can those go? What's the highest mile of Viper RT ten we've ever listed and slash in the world?
1: Well yes, yeah, see that's a car I, I'm not yeah, I'm not afraid of miles on that, you yeah. know. So I would go you know, you can go out and buy like a ninety four RT ten with ninety thousand miles for like twenty grand or less. Ninety thousand? Um, Is
0: has anybody put one hundred and fifty thousand on one of those, <laughs> you think? I know somebody was tracking like a ratty ones driving around LA or something, but I don't know that they ever ever wrote down the mileage. But has anybody done two hundred thousand miles in an RT ten? Oh
1: man, I'm sure there's some there's some nutcase out there that has.
0: <laughs> but higher miles, I actually think, um, I think that's that can be cool, right? I mean, you see the the crazy prices people pay for for time capsule cars with no miles on them. Um, but somebody uh, somebody asked me at a car event one time, right, like. Um, Oh, no, you know, well, you'd want to avoid that feature. You'd want to avoid miles or whatever else. And I was like, man, if you got, you know, 12,000 bucks in your pocket to go buy an interesting car, like go look for high miles. Go look for, um, you know, things that people don't want. Go buy a right-hand drive Sprite instead of a left-hand drive Sprite because you'll get a you know, 30 or 40 percent discount on cars like that when you buy them in the U.S. And is it quirky and weird? Is there kind of a reason people don't want them? Sure, probably. But um, does that give you an entry point into a car that maybe you wouldn't like? Maybe you can get a Healy instead of getting an MGA if you pick like weird colors and right hand drive. Right. So there are ways to approach cars and we love to feature cars with uh, sort of uh, unusual features and um, because they can be an opportunity instead of, oh yeah, every Healy weep feature is going to be you know blue with blue with white coves, and they 're all going to have chrome wheels and they 're all going to have the same 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 uh, going a little far afield on on either side uh, of what is sort of the norm. Uh, I love it when that actually produces a discount instead of. Uh, you know, the quintessential uh, car that everybody had on the poster. Like when you veer off of that, you can get some deals and find some some more affordable ones.
1: And isn't it funny on a number of cars we see every week on BAT, mileage, the noteworthiness of mileage can be either because it's ultra low or ultra high. Like we had a uh, Ferrari 550 Marinello a few months back. The guy put like 100,000 miles on it. And, you know, by far the highest mileage, one of those we've ever had. And people loved it, right? It shows that the car has been maintained, that obviously it works if the guy drove it 100,000 miles, and it sold for a very respectable price. And, you know, if you want to go out and buy, you know, one with 5,000 miles for double, there are plenty of people that are prepared to do that. But uh, cars with miles can be, can be sometimes more interesting, and certainly the stories are more interesting than, uh, than the other side of the coin.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, that pretty much wraps it up for today. I think we're going to call it uh, about there. We've got a lot more to talk about. I think Howard and I could go on here for a couple more hours if we wanted to, talking about uh, talking about listings we've had, talking about listings we hope to have, uh, and talking about different parts of the whole BAT experience. So um, I think the the bottom line here is it's fun to talk about this stuff. It's fun to see everybody interact on BAT. We're excited to see how this podcast can evolve and how people can give us feedback. Uh, in terms of what you'd want to see or hear, um, we're going to do that through a, a, a dedicated email podcast at bringatrailer.com. If you got any questions or thoughts or suggestions, um, hit us up there, and we will uh, do our best to incorporate those in, into future episodes. And we'll post this on the site, and certainly get some discussion and feedback there. Um, so you can also watch for it on the site and all the all the normal distribution channels. So thanks for joining us today, um, Howard. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I hope you'll invite me back.
0: Yeah. Are you kidding? You're going to be a staple. We need to we need to keep this thing uh, jamming going forth into 2021. It's going to be a, a good year together, uh, and it's fun to talk about these sort of topics. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next time.